I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Livewire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Elena. Oh, my goodness. It's my old friend, Luke Laley. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a stretch. But you know what? It's a pandemic. It's the dog days of summer. Uh, I'm going to allow that this week. Hi, Elena. How's it going? It's going pretty well, Luke. How are you? I am okay. But I don't know if you can tell from this Zoom connection, but I am developing quite the uh, sweaty brow here mm. in this little room off of my kitchen because it is so warm where I record my part of the show from home. The sun is like directly beating down on this window. Oh, no. And I can't have the windows open because my neighbor Rich somehow knows to mow his lawn whenever we're doing the show. <laughs> the second this is done, I am going to go outside and I'm going to run through the sprinkler <laughs> like, a, like a six-year-old. Like, was that not the best part of childhood was running through the sprinkler? Oh, yeah. Especially if, you're, if, if the family or your family had one of the sprinklers that leans back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? So it goes yes. all the way to one side and all the way to the other side. So you could jump over it. And... Hours of fun. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to do the show? I am so ready. Okay, I have a limited time I can be in here with the temperature, so let's <laughs> let's get going. Hey, Molly, are we recording? Hey, Luke, we're rolling. All right, take it away, Elena. From PRX, it's Livewire. Recorded from our actual houses, welcome to the Livewire House Party. This week, with writer Lydia Yuknovich. Comedian Atsuko Okatsuka and music from the Black Tones. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, live and direct from a small room just off his kitchen, the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. A small and, um, let's be honest, somewhat funky room just <laughs> off my kitchen. Uh, hi there, Elena. Thank you so much. Uh, hi there, everybody listening. Thank you for tuning into the show. Of course, uh, we like to ask the audience a question each week here on Livewire. And this week, we ask the audience, what's something you have learned about yourself recently? Uh, we're going to get to some of those responses uh, in a minute. First, though, Elena, what have you learned about yourself recently during this whole pandemic? Oh, okay. Well, just this weekend, I learned that I should not be allowed to make experimental food decisions. <laughs> what did you do? Some people are really good at going like, oh, you know what? That would go really good with this, or that would go really good with this. But David, my partner, got a grill, 
and he loves it. And he's just been grilling like crazy. And then we go on Saturdays to the farmer's market because it's open air and they social distance. So it's like our big outing and we just get anything that looks good and we take it home and grill it. I was like, let's grill this watermelon, honey. (laughs) And so we grilled a watermelon and we had our friends, Justin and Bonnie over and uh, served them hot grilled watermelon you know it just it tasted so bad it tasted like weird syrupy meat (laughs) that sounds really awful that's like taking the best element of watermelon in the summer which is that it's like (laughs) refreshing and and thirst quenching and sort of great and just going like let's completely swerve off of that the main (laughs) thing that watermelon brings to the summertime experience (laughs) i think that what i have finally come to terms with I am not any better at keeping in touch with people <laughs> even when I'm legally prohibited from leaving my house that surprises me about you I'm terrible <laughs> and in the before times I could say oh I could be like well I was traveling like as if they don't have you know <laughs> cell service at the airport but now I have no legitimate excuse for not, you know, texting or calling somebody back for weeks, but I just, for some reason, continue to be horrible at keeping in touch. Are these professional conversations or personal conversations? All of them. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I find it harder and harder to be like, sorry, this email is so late. Boy, work has been crazy in my pajamas Mm -hmm. five steps away from my bed. You know, (laughs) I know it's terrible. We've lost this kind of social lubricant of -hmm. being able to kind of fib to each other about, you know, uh, and and by the way, let me just a blanket statement. No, your email does not find me well. I am not well. (laughs) The world is a very scary place right now. I'm pretty stressed out. I'm probably drinking too much. Just say, I hope this email finds you. Please still be out there. (laughs) I hope you found your computer today. I hope you found the will to get out of bed. Good job. Yeah, take the rest of the day off. Um, All right, let's invite our first guest over to the house party. Um, When we talk about learning things about ourselves, I don't know if there's anybody who's better at writing about that journey for themselves than Lydia Yuknovich. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know her memoir, The Chronology of Water, that was a finalist for a Penn Award. Uh, she is a, a huge favorite of ours at Livewire. She lives in Portland and comes on the show pretty frequently. Now, Elena, we recorded this conversation back in February, mm-hmm. and Lydia was a bit under the weather and was so incredibly kind because, you know, we had promoted that she was going to be on the show. Everybody mm-hmm. had showed up excited to see her. And she pushed through and came on stage and was a total delight. But I was just like reflecting back on that today, thinking how different Mm -hmm. we think about pushing through when you're not feeling well these days. Yeah, now it's please stay home. Uh, Don't worry about it. (laughs) Well, this was recorded right before we all got that memo. And it was a really, uh, it was a fun, fascinating conversation as it always is uh, with Lydia. So let's take a listen to this. This is us talking to Lydia Yuknovich at the Alberta Rose Theater. Her latest book of stories is titled Verge. Check this out. Lydia, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Um, how would you describe the various characters in this new book of yours, Verge? Well, they're often people who have peopled my life 
who live in liminal spaces or kind of in-between existences or difficult uh, spaces of economy or body or soul. And I, I guess I just want to be one of the people on the planet who's uh, making the argument that those characters can be literature too, with a capital L. And that difficulty and even brutalities and violences and the things we kind of cringe to look at contain real people <laughs> who, um, you know, also experience moments of grace and beauty and tiny instances of hope. So the characters aren't quite right, would be a fast way to say it. But it would seem that that's not necessarily their fault. No. The circumstances that they're put under are extremely trying, but the people are people. Right, and they're sort of tied to their material conditions. And I really wanted to just write a series of tiny devotionals to these people that other people pretend don't exist or are a little grossed out by. Did you have a particular moment when the idea for the book came to you? Is there one of the stories? Because these are all discrete stories in the book. Was there something that you observed or experienced and you thought, I should write about this, and then you realized this could be a whole book? I think the ideas cross the entire time I've been a writer and all the people I've known and um, all the experiences I've had and all the mistakes I've made in my personal life that are in my nonfiction. <laughs> uh, and so it's, you could say I've spent my life developing or earning the right to give the pages these voices and bodies and stories without, you know, uh, undue laziness, you know, I think I've earned the right to give these characters their moment. Mm -hmm. And um, some people will like it, some people won't, but I promise you these are the people sitting right next to you in your life, living right next to you on your block. And um, I'm just wanting the tiny possibility that we could pause inside the length of time of a story, say, mm -hmm. to not look away. And to ask yourself, where is it in me? Is, I mean, this, the stories come from really all over the world in this book, but is there something Portlandy about it too? Like, did your experiences living in the city of Portland inspire any of this? Some of it, a few of the stories are very close to my life experience in the Northwest and the neighborhoods I've lived in and uh, sometimes the alleys I've lived in and sometimes underneath the overpasses I've lived <laughs> near. And so uh, the Portlandness comes from the ways in which I have been in liminal spaces and had experiences that didn't quite fit the mainstream storyline of how to be in life. Uh, this is Livewire Radio. We're talking to Lydia Yuknovich. Her latest book is Verge. Uh, I, I didn't notice too many direct statements about politics, but is the political climate also something that was in your mind and on your mind when you were writing this? Only in terms of rage. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be a yes? Yeah. 
then the rage I had broiling from the times we're in, uh, I tried to bring down to the small souls of individual characters who have to really live the suffering uh, to remind us that our suffering on, say, Facebook isn't the suffering. Mm. Or, you know, how mad we get when we watch TV and it doesn't go how we want it to. That's not the suffering. Right? I mean, I'm making fun of all of us. And I'm reminding us that, you know, storytelling is a, is a sort of outlet for rage that is quite a bit more positive than the um, current squabbling where we try to poke each other in the eye all the time. Storytelling... Uh, can heal, it can bridge differences, it can open up realms between people who ordinarily wouldn't look at each other. Um, so it's like a real energy in the world that is a place to put rage. And I know I'm not the only person in the room who has used rage to uh, move away from my own you know, difficulties, to get out of my father's house, for example, or to get away from difficulties or violence coming at me, rage can be productive and generative, especially women's rage. There, I said it. <laughs> this is a collection of short stories, but you're very known for writing novels and memoirs and sort of book-length feats. But I bet the short form is really fun for rage, like punk rock, you know, like the shorter the song, the harder you can go and you can just get out of there. Do you think that the rage is one of the reasons that you picked this form that you did, knowing that you could write in so many other forms? I hadn't thought about it that way, but now that you're saying it, it feels correct what you're saying, like <laughs> safety pins and punk rock. <laughs> yeah. This, these are your Ramones, your two minute hate, right? Like, yeah. But the other places the stories come from, um, are like tenderness and desire and lust and love and fear and beauty. And uh, the mode of the short story in this particular book, I'm trying to find a different way of storytelling, to be honest with you. And I moved away from the tradition of short story writing to write um, characters with plots that don't resolve mm -hmm. on purpose and to leave them in their state of being. This is Livewire from PRX. I am Luke Burbank. Right over there in Corvallis is Elena Passarello. Uh, we are talking to writer Lydia Yuknovich. Her latest book is Verge. We're going to get back into that conversation in just a minute. First, though, a short break. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Livewire is supported in part by Fully. Based in Portland, Oregon, Fully is an amazing company that sells and distributes things that will help you feel healthier while you are being productive doing your work. How do I know this? Well, because I use a Jarvis standing desk from Fully when I am on stage recording Livewire. That's right. I can set that thing at any different height that works for me in that moment. It keeps the blood flowing keeps uh, me feeling engaged. I think you can hear the results, my friends, coming through the radio and the podcast. If you would like to stay healthy and productive while you're being productive at your work, whether it's at home or in the office, you got to check out what the folks at Fully are doing. Go to fully.com slash livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash livewire. They've also got the Cooper Standing Desk Converter, 
That gives you the ability to set your desk at any height you want as well and just uh, figure out a spot that works for you. I promise it'll make a difference in your in your work productivity and how good you'll feel at the end of the day. I know it has for me. I also use the TikTok stool when I'm at home doing all of my uh, radio show writing projects. Uh, it's made such a difference for me and for our whole Livewire staff, and I know you're going to have the same experience. So again, find out what Fully has got going on by heading over to Fully, that's F-U-L-L-Y, dot com slash Livewire. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Um, things are heating up in this room that I'm recording at my house, Elena. Are things climate controlled in Corvallis? Do you have central AC? We have it uh, only on one floor of the house where it's really good. And we set the AC at 80 anyway because uh, I'm from the south and this is not real summer, you know. Right, for you. <laughs> but this room that I'm in right now is the coolest room in the house. So we are in opposite situations at the I'm moment. so jealous. It's Although, nice. I've been for the last like three shows, I've been complaining about how like it hasn't been summery in the Northwest. Right. It's been raining. So then it finally gets nice. And now <laughs> that's what I'm complaining about. So anyway, welcome to the Livewire experience, everybody. Uh, <laughs> let's get back into our conversation with Lydia Yuknovich. Uh, we recorded this back in February of this year. Her latest book is Verge. We recorded this on stage at the Alberta Rose Theater. There's a uh, story in this book called Streetwalker, and it's about a woman, a writer, who notices a sex worker in her neighborhood and at some point uh, decides to pay for an hour of this person's time to just try to kind of give them a place to come be warm and and be safe. Um, And the writer in the story sure sounds a lot like Lydia Yuknovich. <laughs> Is this something you actually did or imagined doing? Well, <laughs> I would prefer to answer that by saying <laughs> it's a conjuring. Um, it does have close proximity to my life and a certain time in my life. It does have proximity to actual people I have known, and it does have proximity to actual actions I have taken. However, it's a piece of fiction, thus a conjuring. So that is the word I would prefer to use. I think what's important about that story, though, isn't so much like, is the writer in the story kind of like me? Uh, I think what's most important or interesting to me about that story is that the the woman from the outside who is a sex worker uh, is a form of writing. She's a writer too. There's something she does in the story toward the end Mm -hmm. that is a kind of writing. And so then the two writers are facing each other. And what I'm meaning to surface there is that there's a schism in all of us. There's our us trying to be good in our lives, and there's all the stuff we've done that maybe we're not proud of. And those two women are both versions of lives I've lived. And they're both writers, and there's a way in which the streetwalker writer is more honest. Hmm. There's another story in the book called uh, a, a Woman Object. And it's sort of about the pretension 
of a certain kind of art community. The, the, the woman's, I guess, partner, his name is Peter, but he goes by Pater because it sounds more artsy. <laughs> which which a, she hates. Which is a beautiful touch, by the way. Uh, do you run into that in the world of writing, though, as well, in literature? You know, a kind of... <laughs> Lydia just looked at Elena Passarello, two, talk about two writers uh, identifying experiences in each other. Like, you seem like an unpretentious person to me who sometimes moves through what could be a pretentious world. All the time. <laughs> All the time. All the time. No, I mean, I'm kind of kidding. There are tears in the literary world, like there are tears in the painting art world that that story is based on. And I just take notes when I'm in the weird realm of, of fancy, pretentious, hierarchical, strange creature. I, I take deep notes so that I can write the next story <laughs> in which I try to take down or deconstruct the hierarchies at every level possible. And, and probably you've never met any pretentious writers. Oh, no, no, never. No, never. Um, but I know what I will do the next time I, I am in a situation where I run into pretentious writers is what the character in that story does. She just imagines all of the people that are annoying her as various wildlife creatures, uh, which is just like, I can't wait to play that game. And I hope that my face doesn't show it when I'm like drawing like whiskers and a nose on, you know, insert. I hope your face does show it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of... Um... Uh, you know, I guess sort of rarefied air, your memoir, The Chronology of Water, is being adapted into a film. What's that like for you <laughs> to know that your story is going to now be portrayed by somebody else and told by other people? Completely freakish, uh, on the one hand. And for me personally, it's more like there's a beautiful second piece of art happening that's like a little satellite far away from me, and I'm still just me sitting at home in my underwear trying to write while this crazy satellite thing does its thing <laughs> around me. And so maybe it turns into something and maybe it doesn't, but I'm just me looking at it like, look at that. <laughs> but I love that somebody else wants to make a piece of art because I made a piece of art. That's the piece I care about. Uh, we are talking to Lydia Yuknovich. Her new book is Verge. Uh, Lydia, as you know, as a, uh, a pretty regular Livewire guest, we really try to get to know our guests on a very deep personal basis here on the show. And to that end, we have something on stage with us here. It is uh, a jar with five questions in it. They are the essential questions <laughs> of our time. So no pressure. We call this the jar of truth. <laughs> Here's how this is going to work. We'll ask you to pull a question out of the jar. Elena Passarella will read it, and we would like to get your honest answer. I don't think you know how to answer in any other way, <laughs> as we've learned so far in this conversation. Um, the uh, thing is, though, because you're a writer and you teach writing, these are all questions about writing. So if you would uh, be so kind as to grab a question, and we will begin the jar of truth. Okay. Would you rather have a good writing day or a great eating day? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> I love These are the food. essential questions I of our time. I love food. I love food. I said it three times. Yes. Do you believe me? Yes. <laughs> and yet, 
I would rather have a great writing day than anything else in life almost. <laughs> what, what is, is there any, Lydia, is there any predicting when it will be a good writing day or is it really sort of a, a muse that just shows up when it, when it feels like it? It's probably different for every writer on the planet. For me, it goes in waves. It comes and goes exactly like waves in the ocean. And the best writing days are when I have like a rhythm. So I'll have three to five days where something good is happening. And then, you know, that's like the best thing that could possibly happen to me. Then four years pass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can we uh, take another question from the jar? Okay, question number two. Would you be more embarrassed to accidentally flash a stranger or to accidentally show a stranger one of your first drafts? Well, having spent my life flashing strangers, (laughs) that doesn't sound difficult at all and would not embarrass me at all. You're lucky I wore clothes tonight. And I, I used to, when I was first writing, be terrified to show first drafts, but now I'm doing it on the regular because it occurred to me that as I'm working with other people who are vulnerable enough to show me their drafts, they should be able to see mine too, and, and mine are crappy. I don't know about yours. Mine are terrible. But uh, releasing that vulnerability and collaborating with other people in that vulnerability has given us all uh, permission to practice better and become better writers. So I'm sort of for it. So neither of those things embarrasses me at all. <laughs> Both sound well, great. Well, that's good. Okay, one more question from the jar. <laughs> okay. Can any essay that starts by referencing a definition from the dictionary turn out okay? (laughs) Webster's Dictionary defines courage as, and then the the essay proceeds from there. The only way in which it can turn out okay, and you can save yourself humiliation, is if you lie in the definition. (laughs) Oh, that's an amazing prompt. You must invent it and lie. That's, you, we should start like a, like a global writing challenge where everyone writes that like kind of tired essay trope, but it starts with a false definition and then you prove the definition to be true exactly. over the course of your essay. Hashtag Yuknovich challenge. Right. Got it. Right. <laughs> Lydia Yuknovich, thank you so much for coming on the show. Lydia's new book is Verge. That was Lydia Yuknovich from back in February of this year, recorded at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, by the way, uh, Lydia's latest book is a short story collection. It's titled Verge. Livewire is brought to you by Alaska Airlines. They are working nonstop to support their guests, their employees, and their communities. And they're bringing you next-level care. They've thought through every aspect of air travel, and they've implemented nearly 100 new ways to keep flyers safe, from the booking process all the way through baggage claim. Learn how else they're supporting flyers at alaskaair.com. This is the Livewire House Party 
I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. I mean, like, virtually. Do, I, do you think I over-explain that too much on the show? I feel like I don't want people, when I say I'm here with Elena Passarello, I don't want people to think that we are, like, sitting in a room right. endangering <laughs> ourselves and others, and I always feel like I have to, like, we call it the Live Wire House Party, which is supposed to let people know we're at our houses. We keep saying it repeatedly. It's just because our banter is so, it's like right on top of exactly. each other. It just feels like we're in a three-legged yeah. race. Like we're like latched exactly. together. Winning a three-legged race because Winning we're it. so like in sync. That's right. Um, each <laughs> week on the show, we like to ask the audience a question. We send that out via our various social media channels. Uh, this week, we asked the audience, what's something that you have learned about yourself recently? We're all kind of you know, still stuck with our families, with ourselves. Uh, What's the audience telling you, Elena? Here's one from Ellen. I still remember how to make a friendship bracelet. (gasps) I was was like, I, I remember so many afternoons as a kid in the summer trying to master the friendship Uh, bracelet. I could make like a very rudimentary one, but none of those like the very elaborate, cool, you know, multiple layer one. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to have like a clipboard to Mm -hmm. attach it to. Remember like the cool kids, they had like a Lisa Frank clipboard (laughs) and they could attach it to the little metal handle. By the end of the summer though, if you had like a couple friendship bracelets on (sighs) and then they got wet, so they shrunk, you'd have like (laughs) basically lost all circulation in your hand. And at some point your mom would look at you and go, you're cutting those things off. First of all, they're disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. Like all your popsicle juice from the popsicle you would hold would just like drip into it. And you're, (laughs) I told you this right on the show before how I had a cast on my arm, broke my arm playing football and I took the cast off and my parents parents didn't even notice. No, you did not tell me that. <laughs> That's being one of seven kids. Your parents are like, I feel like someone had a cast, but whatever. I don't see one now. Did you take it off too early? Yeah. Like, you it, was just, it? it was itching. Oh, I wanted to play in a football game oh and they God. weren't going to let me. So I, I mean, this was, it had healed, but I took the cast off and <laughs> it's remarkable to think that it was, it went uncommented upon by my parents. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else is the audience saying they're learning about themselves? Here is one from Robin. Robin has learned that Cap'n Crunch serves as both a comfort food and a dessert. Mm, Uh, Absolutely. I've had to make some really tough decisions in the grocery store uh, when it comes to things like breakfast cereal, because I know that if I let it into the house, Mm -hmm. it will become like a whole thing. It's a poltergeist. If you let it, it's like a vampire. If you let it, in fact, you know, Count Chocula literally is a vampire. Yeah. Or Booberry. Remember Booberry? <laughs> Who can forget? Uh, what else uh, is the Livewire audience saying they're learning about themselves? Here's one from Tracy. Tracy has learned, I should not be homeschooling. Uh, and then there's a gritted teeth emoji. <laughs> You're a professor, Elena. I mean, you're dealing with college-age students, but I, I, I feel that this has been eye-opening for maybe the few parents of America who didn't quite realize how incredibly gifted the teachers of America are and, and how much we rely on them, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. And I think teachers who have to teach their own children at home now are mm. realizing it in this kind of meta way. <laughs> right. My friend Bonnie, who I was telling you about earlier, who uh, ate the grilled watermelon, has a 10-year-old. And at one point she was like, you know what? Just go outside and make a movie version of Lord of the Flies. <laughs> that was the, the education for the day. But it's AV. It's literature. It's creative expression. Yeah. I mean, I think it tracks. 
The unfortunate thing is some kid in that neighborhood is getting bullied. If you stick strictly to the plot, could we make a movie of a book where someone doesn't get their glasses shattered? Yeah. And isn't, it's like a study of human cruelty towards each other. Um, okay, up next we have, I think this is one of my favorite stand-up comedy performances that we have recorded on the show since I was the host. Um, this has never aired before, so I, I don't fully know what the radio audience is going to make of it. But I was dying when we recorded this at the Alberta Rose Theater. Yeah. You remember this, Elena? I was yeah, you, everybody it. out there has to imagine Luke like like <laughs> as close to being literally in stitches as is possible. Like, he just, yes. his sides were splitting. <laughs> uh, this is Atsuko Okatsuka, who um, before the pandemic was the regular host of this sold-out Dynasty typewriter show in LA, which is this very cool venue called Let's Go Atsuko. Um, of course, that's on hold for now. But the good news is you can also check out her one-hour special on Hulu. Uh, so take a listen to this. It's Atsuko Okatsuka at the Alberta Rose Theater from back in February. Let's get to it. Calm down. Let's get to it. I will now do comedy. I would do that. Okay. Now that we're here, let me tell you a little bit about me. I uh, I get I get spooked easily. I get spooked real easily. Yeah. And uh, people think I'm cool. You know. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, people think I'm cool. Oh, she's so chill. You know. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, I will fall apart. If a teenager talks to me, no, thank you. You know, uh, this is what happened. Okay, uh, recently I hung out with my teenager cousin for the first time with my husband, and uh, I was already intimidated going into the hang because she's way cooler than I ever was when I was 18. She wears uh, colored contacts. She has numerous boyfriends. And they all know about each other, excuse me, you know? And so I was like, wow, that's so cool. She's so cool, you know? And so going into the hang, I was already like puffing up, you know, trying to be cool, really stiff. I was puffing up. I, w I would take out cigarettes and, and drop them, you know? Uh, any set of movements, whoo, I just crumble, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were just small talking, me, my cousin, and my husband, when suddenly my teenager cousin says the most terrifying thing to me ever. She just looked me straight in the eyes and she goes, Hey, you skate? I was like, excuse me? She was like, you skate? And I was like, what? Do I skate? Oh, I just crumbled. You know, I just crumbled. Yeah, yeah. And the words that come out of you, you know, when you're intimidated, it's shocking. You know, you can't stop the words from coming out fast enough. Just like, I vape. Comedy Central, I don't know, by Coastal, do kids say that these days? Fresh produce, you know, it just all came out of me. And I, I couldn't stop the words from coming out fast enough. And I also watched, too, as my husband also crumbled. Uh, he was like, uh, do, do we skate? Uh, well, one time we did buy a skateboard. Uh, you, you, you mean like Tony Hawk? And I was like, damn, damn, you know, because Tony Hawk is like so 2002, you know, like... It, <laughs> Excuse me, we're trying to be cool here, you know, and so before he said anything else, I just stopped and I was like, uh, yes, uh, like Tony Hawk and other people who came after him. 
yes. And so I saved him. I was like, OK, and you stop now. And uh, I looked back at her, and I said, uh, do we skate? Uh, yes, we do. We are skaters now. And I just presented myself to her. And uh, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? I just crumbled, you know? But y you know what it is? It's, it's gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. What she did was gaslight. Yeah. Because how can you look at me? OK? How can you look at me? And my husband, too. He looks like straight out of J. Crew sales rack. OK? How can you look at us and, and then ask such a question? You skate? That is the most loaded, most terrifying thing you can say to two adults who are already trying so hard. Okay? You skate? What does what that even Use your words, you know? I want to be like, use your words, girl, you know? What does that mean? The ice skating or skateboarding, you know what I mean? I got so mad thinking about it. I was just like, you know what? You know, it's 2020. Use a, you ride a bicycle, okay? Like an adult, you know? I wanted to just... Skateboarding, you know, stop messing with my cool, you know, stop. I'm already trying so hard, okay? Just regular life is hard for me already. It is. Regular life is so hard for me already. You know, people call me out. I say weird things, you know. Like the other day, let me tell you, I'll tell you right now. The other day, I touched tongues with a stranger's dog. Thank you. Listen. Listen. This is what happened. I did. Yes. I saw a dog being walked by its owner, so I got excited. I bent down to pet it, and uh, uh, the dog started licking my face, just <laughs> And uh, yeah, I started to talk, so I opened my mouth. So boom, contact, you know? <laughs> tongue to tongue. And uh, uh, let me tell you, I let it give me a few more, you know? Uh, <laughs> because life is hard. Because life is hard, and I was like, I'm going to get love wherever I can. Right here will do, you know? And so it was me and this dog, tongue to tongue. And uh, let me tell you, the owner, the owner of the dog, she hated it. She did not like it at all. Uh, she gave an audible. She was like, ew! Ugh! Are you kidding me? And for some reason in that moment, I woke up and in that moment of fear, the only thing that came out of my mouth back to her, the only thing I said, I don't know why, I just said, oh, don't worry, I'm married. <laughs> and she really didn't like that, you know? Uh, yeah. But that's just me. Weird words come out of my mouth, you know? And I don't do well, you know, when, with embarrassment, with shame. Anytime I feel it, anytime someone calls me out, I go for the jugular. Anytime someone's like, Atsuko, why'd you say that? Atsuko, why'd you do that? I'm always like, well, you know, I never wanted to be here anyway. <laughs> I give up right on you, you know? Atsuko, why'd you do that? Atsuko, why'd you say that? You don't skate. I'm always like, well, you know, None of us had a choice, <laughs> did we? <laughs> and I'm a firm believer in that statement. I truly am a firm believer in that statement. Yeah, like life, like all of us, okay? Like being birthed is the ultimate, I thought you'd like this. <laughs> situation that we were all pushed into, okay? None of us had a say, okay? None of us had a say. We all come out crying, is what I'm saying. 
You know why? Because it's all terrifying, okay? Our mothers had the brilliant idea. Oh, here's a surprise. Here's a surprise gift. You live here now. You live here now. Open your eyes. We come out crying. Our first breath hurts as babies. We're just like, <laughs> cut to an adult grown man in the same room sneezing 30 times in a row. Just, achoo, achoo, achoo. You're like, oh my God, what's that? That's your father. That is your father. He cannot get it together. Okay. Life is freaking scary. All right. Is what I'm saying. So I'm sorry. I made out with your dog. I never wanted to be here anyway. I'm trying so hard. Trying so hard. Every day is chaos. You put on the news. I'm starting to think the second coming is near. You know, yeah, I am. I'm starting. It's, yeah, is Jesus coming back? They keep talking about it. Or am I dreaming? You know, it's been 2,000 years. Like, how long? <laughs> if someone told you they were coming back. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. How long would you wait? How long would you wait? Until you deem them missing, you know? I, I don't, call, look, call me impatient, you know? But I say this out of concern, you know? Like, maybe Jesus has been back, but he's not okay, you know? Maybe we should go looking for him. They already got him once, you know? And uh, they go... It got him pretty hard, too. Yeah. Kind of why he left, you know? Um, no, honestly, thank you so much for being cool about that joke. Um, yeah, no, because I did that joke at a college recently, and after the show, a woman came up to me and said she was really offended by my Jesus joke. Yeah, she was, like, really offended. And I totally get it, you know? It's too soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Atsuko Okatsuka, uh, recorded back in February. I, I I was losing my mind up there. What, what did you think of it, Elena? I, I remember feeling like I was watching two comedy shows. Like I was watching Atsuko <laughs> kill it in this packed audience, and then I was watching... Just the physical comedy of you losing your mind, which... Uh, I'm like, usually pretty... Con- like, I, <laughs> I, I describe myself on stage as it's sort of like being like a duck. You try to be pretty calm above the water line, but then like below the water, your feet are just like paddling <laughs> furiously. Like, that's the feeling of hosting this show. <sighs> but then every once in a while, I just like lose all decorum. Yeah. And that's what I was doing when... I mean, everyone go check out her Hulu special because you really got to see the whole, oh, yeah. the sort of whole physicality of the performance She's as well. She's amazing. All right. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we're going to come back with some music from The Black Tones. So stay with us. This is the Live Wire House Party. Hey, special thanks this episode to Chandra Benjamin of Eden Prairie, Minnesota and Heidi Spafford of Vancouver, Washington. Chandra and Heidi are part of the Livewire member community and they are generously supporting us with a donation each month. We are very, I'm making like a prayerful thank, thanks hands. We are so thankful for their support right now. Uh, it is genuinely what allows us to keep this show going. So thank you, Chandra and Heidi for supporting Livewire. 
Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Um, all right, let's hear some music. Uh, you could say that our musical guests uh, this hour are kind of like a mix of Kurt Cobain and Cornbread. <laughs> I know that seems like a stretch, but I say that because it's literally the title of their debut album. It's Cobain and Cornbread. Uh, it's the first album from Eva and Cedric Walker. They are siblings. They grew up in Seattle. That's the Cobain part of it. Um, but their family is from New Orleans, and they have a really strong connection to NOLA. That's the cornbread side of it. So let's take a listen to this. This is a little chat and a little music from the Black Tones recorded back in February at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland. Let me ask you, Eva, what was the musical scene in your house with, with you and Cedric growing up? Like, what was the vibe? Well, our, we're born in Seattle, uh, us and our other two siblings. Our family's from Louisiana. So they kind of brought all that love of music with them in Seattle when my grandpa got hired at Boeing in 68. And uh, there was a lot of records being played. And the music you're going to hear is just rock and roll. But... Our influences range from Herb Alpert to Dave Brubeck to Kraftwerk to Bone Thugs and Harmony. We listen to oh, everything. Man. <laughs> Dolly Parton, everything. Between you and your brother, were you guys collaborating as kids, playing instruments? Like, who had the idea to make this into a band? Uh, he wanted to learn drums when he saw me perform at Folklife in Seattle. Really? Yeah, he didn't know I could sing and play guitar. And did so, you guys grow up in the same house? Yes, we did. <laughs> he had no idea you could sing or play guitar? Yeah, to be fair, I didn't show anyone. I was too scared. Really? It's scary to sing in front of people that will be honest with you. Um, and uh, he saw it and was like, whoa, she could do that. So he was like, hey, I want to learn drums. And I was like, okay, because I'm a drummer too. I was like, I'll teach you drums. So I is that how you guys talk at home? That's yes, pretty that's weird. Yes, that's how we talk. Is that's that, how we, this is Cedric's not an exaggeration. Nodding. This is an exact, yeah. uh, this is how it went. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll teach you drums. So we did a summer of drum lessons, and then we started the Black Tones. Okay, but this is a sibling relationship as well. Uh, do you guys have disagreements about the music or how a song should go? No, I'm very happy. That's... That was Cedric yelling from behind the drum kit for the radio <laughs> listeners. Cedric, blink twice if she has you trapped in the band. <laughs> but seriously, but seriously, like, how, how do you guys kind of, how do you guys negotiate out this stuff and also separate the family aspect of it from the band aspect you of know, it? You know, to be honest with you, and he's so happy, to be honest with you, um... I don't think I could do this music thing, like the, the traveling, the waking up early. I don't think I could do this with someone I'm not related to, actually. Uh -huh. So it makes it easier because we can disagree or be kind of mad at each other. But whatever, we've been doing that since we were womb mates because we're twins. And, oh, uh, I don't think know. I realized that part yeah, of it. Yeah, we've, I've been right since we've been in the womb. So. Uh. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, it's just, it works out just fine. I think, I think Cedric's rim shot really said it all. Um, <laughs> what song are we going to hear? Uh, I hate spiders, but I love the blues. So I wrote a blues song about a spider trying to kill me. Okay. It's called Mama, There's a Spider in My Room. This is the Black Tones right here on Livewire. Thank uh -huh. 
was the Black Tones recorded at the Alberta Rose Theater back in February. Their album is Cobain and Cornbread. Elena, they um, had this like fundraiser here in Washington State where I live. It was a virtual one and the Black Tones played on it and they like tore it down. I don't think the local NBC affiliate was ready for the energy that the Black Tones were bringing. That's awesome. Go y'all. Yeah, it was really great. 
Well, here we are once again at the end of the show. I guess um, this is the this is it for our socializing for the week, Elena. I hope it was productive. Very I know well. we're just. I know, really. I'm, I'm holding my hand up to the Zoom screen, like um, you know, one of us is incarcerated. Don't please don't forget me on like the outside, Elena. Like the aha Elena. take on me video. That's exactly, and you know these Zoom little Zoom panels are like not unlike a comic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can break out trying to break out of my panel. Uh, well, that's going to do it for our show this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. And a huge thanks, of course, to our guests, Lydia Yuknovich, Otsko Okatska, and The Black Tones. Livewire is brought to you in part by Foley Alaska Airlines and the Jupiter Hotel. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Amy McCormick is our interim development director. And Ariana Donneville is our marketing associate. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer. Our house band is A. Walker Spring, Sam Tucker, and Ethan Fox Tucker. And our music is composed by A. Walker Spring. Molly Pettit is our technical director. Our house sound is by D. Neil Blake. And this episode was mixed by Corey Schreppel and Molly Pettit. Thanks so much, as always, to Carlson Audio. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Arts Commission, a state agency funded by the state of Oregon and the National Endowment for the Arts. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we'd like to thank member. This week, we'd like to thank member Tammy Trummel of Bingen, Washington. Woo-hoo! For more information about our show or how you can check out our podcast, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And If you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.